Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? I am really upset at these vote totals, Amy. You are? Very upset. I demand a recount. Something fishy is going on. Okay. You want to explain? Yes. Chris Renzema did not win the Dove Award for Best New Artist. Uh Uh-huh. I knew. I knew. I didn't know where you were going with that, but I knew it was going to deliver. Thank you. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm really upset about that, by the way. I mean, I, I, you know, We the Kingdom won it, but okay. Yeah, they're on K-Love. They're on all the radio stations, and they've had some big hits. They're, it's a deserved winner, I guess. I'm just mad my guy didn't win. I'm really sorry. You, you are, I think you are his biggest fan. Yes, especially on this podcast. Yeah. But for sure, I, I've listened to him. I thought, I thought he was good. Yeah. Well, good. You should. I mean, it's the kind of music that you like. So I, it doesn't surprise me that yes. you like it. But anyway, well, this is my protest vote, I guess you could say, or my protest of the voting. But I see. I, I, again, We the Kingdom, a, a valid winner, but I'm just not happy yes. that my guy didn't win. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So I actually didn't. The, the Dove Awards, they, this is pre taped, right? It hasn't. Yeah. Has it yeah. Broadcast it, was, well, it, was, yet? it was broadcast last week, Friday night. So after we oh, okay. recorded last week. So it was on the 30th. Okay. I don't, I should have tracked that a little bit more than I did. But. Well, Amy, there were stories in Baptist Press. I, I'm aware of that, but I just should have tracked the uh, the show and things like that a little bit, a little well, bit. Well, the the stories at Baptist Press. If anybody wants to go see that uh, and see all the full winners, so. Um, but yeah, my my guy didn't win. Yeah. So, but I'll be okay. I'll accept yeah. the results of the awards. There you go. And there move you on. Go. Yeah. So it's been a big week. Anything happen in your world, Amy? Um, it's busy here <laughs> in North Carolina. Yeah, just a bit. Not as busy as Georgia and Pennsylvania and Nevada and Arizona, though, right? Well, oh, wow. I mean, what a week. I mean, North Carolina is so, and I'm tracking this a little bit, and I, I don't I don't know all the ins and outs of our uh, election laws in terms of this part, but North Carolina is currently counting and processing, uh, but part of the rule is, I think it's the, it's until the, the 12th or something like that. I can't remember. Um, For absentee so ballots that were right, postmarked so before that the election. Were postmarked, yeah. yes. So as they are counting, they are not uh, doing the regular updates that some of the other states are, are doing. North Carolina will do like one, as I understand it, they will do something at the end. Yeah. Apparently so in Nevada, by the way. <laughs> right. Right. There have been some good memes about that this week. So North Carolina is quietly counting, but everyone knows that it's coming later. So they're not really, you know, they're not well, really it's also watching not it like everything close, else. And it doesn't have all the unknown right. the factors and the moving around. So uh, right. we're recording this and, you know, we're still waiting on a, on, you know, we're recording this about Friday at about noon Eastern. Right. And we're still waiting so on an official waiting. call on everything. So I, I guess everybody else is in the same boat. By the time yeah. you listen to this. Things may we have may been know. over. Who knows? But we don't know. So we're not really sure. So, yeah. but election day was fun for me. It always All four is. Of them. <laughs> yeah. So I love I, and have always loved election day, even since before I was able to vote. Um, 
And even in contentious elections like this, uh, when it's really crazy leading up, very divided, or difficult after, like 2000, um, I'm just determined that on election day, I'm not going to let the stress get to me. And I love to, I didn't early vote or anything like that. I think early voting is great. Um, but I just, it's like, it's, it's like Christmas morning to me or something. I want to go stand in line on that day. And so I did. I got called out though, uh, uh -oh. later for not having my sticker on. Because, you know, you're supposed to put your I voted sticker on. And I didn't because I wanted to come home and put it on my, um, like, I have this little cart that keeps stuff in it. And I have stickers on it. And I was like, if I put the sticker on after voting, then it won't, it won't stick, stick to the cart. Like, for permanent, you know. So, I got called out. But I was like, I promise. I did vote. I just wanted to keep my sticker. So, yeah. Um, but it, it was fun. I was there at 6.30 in the morning, ready to go. That's early. That's early. It's really early here, it, by the way. Yeah, Keith, Keith Whitfield said the same thing, that it was early <laughs> as we stood <laughs> in the cold. Amy, it's cold so and it's early. We had, I should be in we, bed. We, we were prepared. We had this whole – I had done a lot of research on all of our local races and Monday night. Yes. Um, I, I need to know who won the soil conservation Soil and water conservation thing. So we had four candidates, and Keith and I were uh, supporting two different candidates and somebody else completely different one. <laughs> so well, neither of us got our I, got our. Guy. I'm telling you exactly. I told you why earlier. I'm not going to get into that here on the podcast, but I think Bob was right. By by the way, and you I have a button were. to prove that. Yeah, I, I could. Push. Yes, yes. So you you probably were. Okay. All right. Well, hey, that's enough election talk. Uh, I'm sure by next week's podcast, we probably will have some better idea of what's going on hopefully uh so we'll we'll pick this up next week but before we get into this week's podcast we do want to thank our sponsor once again southwestern seminary they just announced last week a new joint master of divinity and master of business administration degree built in partnership with dallas baptist university this new degree path is designed to equip believers with a versatile degree for today's church and marketplace Equipped with deep theological knowledge and flexible business skills, men and women will be able to use this training to take the gospel all over the world, wherever God may call them. If you're interested in the new joint MDiv MBA, then visit swbts.edu slash mdivmba for more information. That's swbts.edu slash mdivmba. So really cool program there from those guys. Appreciate their partnership with us each and every week here on the podcast. Amy, we start in Birmingham this week, where the WMU has approved a reduced budget for the rest of the year and accepted 12 voluntary retirement offers. Yeah, so that is, that's news that's not easy to hear. Uh, this came as a result of decline in sales in the resources from WMU because of COVID-19. So because of that, it's not surprising. We've seen that happen with a number of ministries and businesses, things like that. Um, but still not easy, uh, not easy to hear. Um, they do remain focused though on their mission. They're going to continue to provide resources, serve churches, uh, things like that. Um, but not not easy news. No, not at all. Uh, really tough. Obviously, you know my history there. It's you know kind of hard to hear this and and to see the the path that uh, WMU's been on these past few years. And uh, we do want to pray for them, continue to support them, and uh, also thank them for all they do to help promote missions and missions education across the Southern Baptist Convention. 
All right, Amy, uh, some news out of Lifeway. Uh, we had some uh, news a couple of weeks ago about them finding a buyer for the Ridgecrest Camp and Conference Centers. And we have a story about uh, basically who is buying it, the Ridgecrest Foundation. A little bit of update on them and uh, their theological commitment as they purchase Ridgecrest. This really just comes out of conversation with the Ridgecrest Foundation because it, it's good to know the group that is planning to purchase the conference center, um, helpful information. And so Lifeway has essentially engaged in several conversations with the board members just to get a better grasp on doctrinal stances. And Ben Mandrell said in a statement to Baptist Press, we've been encouraged to receive hearty affirmation of evangelical essentials of faith, such as the full inspiration and full authority of scripture, the Trinity, the deity of Jesus Christ and his redemptive mission, the deity and work of the Holy Spirit, and Christ's saving work on the cross for sinful humanity through his shed blood and his bodily resurrection. And so this is kind of similar to uh, conversations that happened with Glorietta back in in the day, just knowing and understanding where people stand uh, who plan to buy it. Yep, absolutely. So uh, no surprises there. And we move on to the first of the month, Amy. You know what that means. CP. That's right. Hey, I got good news too. We met budget. Yes, you do. Again. Yes. So yeah. $16,047,025.99. Bill should have asked us for a penny. I could have thrown that up. We could have rounded it through to $26, but we didn't. But over $16 million given this this past month, which is over budget. So our, our new budget every month is... $15,572,916.67. So that's the projected budget. So 15.5-ish million dollars every month. And we hit $16 million this year. So we are $474,000 over budget in our giving so far. That's 3.04%. So good news there, right? And then yes. also uh that included a a special like kind of one time gift of about $200,000 and change from the California Southern Baptist Convention and then on the designated giving sign we topped 5 million dollars because of that $1 million gift that we got from Mississippi Baptist. We talked about that a couple That's of weeks right. ago. That's Mississippi right. Mississippi Baptist gave a million dollars to kick off the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. Again, goal this year, $175 million. On that, you're going to hear some uh, missionary stories later on in the podcast uh, this year. Not today, but later in the year, we're going to get some missionaries on here and talk about that so you can get to know your Southern Baptist missionaries that are serving around the world. But uh, good news here on the giving front, Amy. Great news, in fact. Very good. So that's uh, that's exciting and a good way to start the year. Absolutely. All right. So we move to some of the other voting results this week. So a few things of interest to Southern Baptists. Uh, I know there were some other ballot measures. So the president and the Wake County Soil and Water Conservation Director were not the only things on the ballot this past Correct. week. Correct. All right. There were other things. And we start in Louisiana, where they adopted a new constitutional amendment restricting abortion. This essentially was an amendment to their constitution that said this constitution, nothing in this constitution should be interpreted to assume a right to abortion. Um, so it essentially was just taking away the ability for uh, courts, you know, in any way to look at something and and find and to look at something and see it as an implied right to that. And so the amendment just kind of puts it in writing 
with the Constitution. Yes. Uh, so no constitutional right to abortion, no state constitutional right to abortion, nor abortion funding. Now, um, if you think where this fits in the context of larger conversations, when we think about uh, the decision of Roe v. Wade, it's always asked, what happens if Roe v. Wade is overturned? And if that happens, it goes back to become a state issue. So I have to assume that, that that's part of this whole conversation. Yeah, it's the, kind of the that, setup in case that happens, we have something already in place. Yeah, that this is where we are on this. Yes. Also over in Alabama, voters reinforced stand-your-ground gun laws for churches in Franklin and Lauderdale County. Uh, basically, that means that uh, they were already covered with the state stand-your-ground law, but uh, they say that this is helpful because it reinforces and gives assurance to churches that if something happened at the church and forces and force had to be used, you were right. protected like by law. Right, like security teams. Yeah. yeah so it, it just gives increased protections for security teams in churches. Uh, you know, instead of waiting on law enforcement. So right. uh, those passed easily in Alabama. But there was one that kind of failed over in Colorado. I mean, that was the uh, similar to the Louisiana one. But uh, Colorado voters were asked to limit abortions to fetuses no older than 22 weeks. So to basically ban late term abortions. And that one failed. So that that failed about 59.17% voted against that. That would have yeah. limited that late term abortion. Yeah, and that that was a real disappointment to pro-life advocates in Colorado. Um, I know a good friend of mine that uh, lives there was was very disappointed about that. Um, so not you know not not good news on every front. No. Um, well, in, but, in Oregon you know. too. I mean that that's another one that's kind of disappointing where they voted to decriminalize possessions of small amounts of drugs, including get this oxycodone, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, beginning in February. So. I got to think that this is going to come up to some kind of federal challenge on this law. I, w I would hope, and I just have to say, you know, speaking as, and I would guess most of our listeners could speak as this because the, the crisis really is a crisis. Speaking as someone who I have many people that I know who have been, a, have been greatly impacted or families greatly impacted by opioid use um, and opioid addiction. It is, it is a, a horrendous, um, it is a horrendous thing, and so I, I'm I'm sad to see that. Yes, that you know. Yeah, we've spoken against this as the Southern Baptist Convention through resolutions a couple of years ago. I know a couple of friends of ours helped with the writing of one of those, and it just you know, it, it's frustrating to see that and, and to see where things are going in in some of these states. Also, uh, several states approved gambling measures uh, related to sports gambling and marijuana legalization. So Montana legalized the possession and use of marijuana for people over 21 years old and approved a 21% tax on marijuana sales. So, so they're taxing it. New Jersey also legalized possession of marijuana and uh, legalized the retail sale of it in New Jersey. And then South Dakota approved both the recreational and medicinal marijuana use. So it had that going. And then, you know, gambling uh, approved in Colorado, Maryland, Nebraska, South Dakota, and that includes racetrack betting, gaming, sports betting, and charitable bingo and raffles. So a lot of different gambling and drug-related ballot measures approved this week. Also, Mississippi voters, this was an interesting ballot measure. They adopted 
their new flag. Yeah. So we had talked about this in the past and the state convention had, had spoken out on this, but what had to happen on this ballot measure was actually like the vote of the people for the new flag. And, um, it's pretty, it has a, like a magnolia on it. I yeah. Think. It's really nice. Really nice. Yeah. There had been the Confederate emblem symbolism on there before. And so now it's a magnolia and it says in God, we trust. Yes. So uh, a very, very stylish flag from I like it. our friends in Mississippi. So, yeah, very nice. All right, Amy, that's going to do it for our election recap. And like you said, if uh, something happens in the presidential election next week, we'll bring you that to you on next week's show. But there is some sad news from our friends up at Boyce College in Louisville. Yeah, so 20-year-old Nick Challies, who I believe is a, a junior in um, the BA to MDiv program at Boyce College, um, he just collapsed on Tuesday night suddenly and uh, was they were unable to revive him. And so I think it was completely unexpected. He was playing a game at a park nearby. His sister was present, his fiance, other Boyce College students. Um, this has gotten a lot of play because he's the son of Tim Challies, who's a popular blogger and author, um, really interactive on social media. So a lot of folks, if they don't know them personally, have some awareness of Tim and the family um, and just devastating news. And I mean, just, just to step back and think, um, you know, a, a lot of us are parents and just to realize how horrific that is. Um, also, really tough to read because that's tough. That's so difficult on a campus community. Um when you lose, especially a tight knit one, like our seminary communities tend to be, and particularly the undergraduate side. And so just crushing, heartbreaking. Um, I know that this week they uh, canceled classes one day so that students could come together and just minister to one another. Yes, and definitely our thoughts of prayers go out to the Challies family, as well as all of those up in Louisville at Boyce and Southern. Just some tragic news this week. Uh, Amy, we do have some updates from around the country and our state conventions. We start in Minnesota, Wisconsin, where they met in a two-hour virtual event and approved a budget of nearly $900,000. 36% of that will be passed on for national CP usage. Uh, they'll meet again next year in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Uh, that's set for October of 2021. We go down to Indiana, Amy, where they were scheduled to meet in a one-day event, downsized from two days, but had to cancel it two weeks ago because of several pandemic hotspots erupting around the state. So uh, they did pass uh, by the executive board a budget uh, that amounts to a little over $3.5 million, uh, which, which is anticipating $2.1 million from cooperative program giving. Of that $2.1, 36% of those gifts will be passed on for national CP causes. That's the same as it has been the past three years. They're set for another meeting next year in West Lafayette, uh, home of uh, Purdue, right? Isn't that in West Lafayette? And um, October 25th and 26th of 2021. Now, to Utah, where they did hold a meeting, Amy, and I was there. Uh, a good meeting, too. We're at about 60 messengers and 23 other guests, including yours truly. Uh, we maintained social distance and wore masks, too, by the way, Amy. So uh, a good job. Had a great meeting up there in Utah, there in Salt Lake City. They passed a $1.6 million budget, which includes $760,000 from a cooperative program giving of that 760, 30% 
will be passed on to national SBC causes. They passed two resolutions, one of appreciation for First Baptist West Valley City, which is in the uh, Salt Lake City area, uh, a resolution of appreciation for them. And then one on racial reconciliation, which is really well written. And all the officers were reelected to a second term. President Brian Catherman, who's the pastor of Redeeming Life in Bountiful, Utah. First Vice President Corey Hodges, who's the pastor of The Point Church in Kearns. Second Vice President Jared Jenkins, executive pastor of Risen Life in Salt Lake. And Recording Secretary Roger Naylor, pastor of First Baptist Bonners Ferry, Idaho. So got to meet with them and actually had dinner with a few of them uh, a couple of times while I was there. So that was good. And uh, I really enjoyed my time in Utah. I mean, next year they're going to be in Meridian, Ohio. Not sure where that is, but maybe I get to go to that too. That'd be fun. I've never been to Ohio before. Never been to well, Utah maybe, before this one. Maybe we'll get, because I, I really want to go back to Dakotas so I can get North oh, yeah. Dakota in. Maybe you yeah. can go uh, to the we Utah, need to go Idaho like to the again. same ones every year. That way we build relationships, right? Is that that's how we're gonna justify this? I guess so. <laughs> Something like that. All right, over to California, Amy. What happened there? So in California, they had a virtual annual meeting. So essentially, it was a forty-minute video presentation that replaced their annual meeting because it was canceled due to the pandemic. Um, all convention business is currently being conducted by the executive board on their behalf until they're able to meet again in 2021. So they did something kind of similar to what we did, the SBC advance, um, instead of the annual meeting, so that people could could see what was happening. Their budget had been adopted by the executive board in September. Um, it increased by five percentage points, the portion of CP receipts forwarded to the SBC um, for world missions, making that 35% forwarded to SBC causes. L- because last year they had reduced it back to 30% to deal with budget shortfalls. So they put it back up. And so it was, it was really just, I think, a great opportunity for them to get connected with what was going on in California, even without a meeting. So next year, they will be in West Sacramento. But moving to Illinois, they held their meeting at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Decatur. And they had um, about, at the first seating of messengers, they had 126 messengers registered there in Decatur, and then there were some additional messengers seated later from newly affiliating churches. So it was a small group, and then they live-streamed it so that viewers watching at home could see and and be aware. Uh, so they had some exciting news. 14 new churches planted in 2020, um, 60 churches in some stage of planting That's right awesome. now. Yeah, and then they welcomed 10 new churches through affiliation. So that's where it talked about new messengers being seated later. That's great. I guess that's where they had their initial registration. And then when these churches were welcomed, then they were able to be messengers as well. So they approved a budget um, with a CP goal of 6.2 million. And then they will maintain their uh, ratio of 56.5 percent staying uh, for ministries there in state and sending 43.5 percent on to national causes with uh, not with shared expenses not exceeding 10 percent of that CP goal and any funds received beyond it would be distributed at a ratio of 50-50. Their four officers were re-elected to serve again. So that's President Sammy Simmons from Benton, Vice President Heath 
Tibbetts from McChesney Park, Recording Secretary Sharon Carty from Emanuel Baptist Church in Carlinville. She's one of our EC members and a uh, delightful, delightful person who's very devoted to uh, disaster relief there in, in Illinois, does an incredible amount of work and ministry there. Um, and Assistant Recording Secretary Brianna Trowbridge from Albion. So they'll be meeting in Springfield next year. Loose ends to tie up from Liberty. Uh, finally, here on the show, Liberty has approved a new leadership model in which they will have a separate president and chancellor. Previously, those were both filled uh, by one person. That was Jerry Falwell Jr., who resigned in August. Uh, but they have split that into two roles, hiring both a president as well as a chancellor, one to be a spiritual leader, that'd be the chancellor, and one to ensure its administrative capabilities and administrative future going forward. That'd be the president. So uh, they've named 10 trustees to a search committee tasked with filling both positions. Search committee will also assemble an advisory committee that will consist of representation from students, faculty, and alumni. They're expecting to take about a year or so to fill these jobs. They will not uh, begin in earnest until the board approves the processes and job descriptions in a future meeting. So just moving the ball down the field there at Liberty, and uh, we'll keep you updated as things progress there. That's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go to 1976 um, because I like to look at when things are happening, I like to look at maybe other years where we're dealing with the same thing. So I wanted to see if we had any interesting election aftermath. And uh, if you look in the November 5th, 1976 issue of Baptist Press, there's a story a little ways down. I did not know this until just now. Uh, Jimmy Carter was a trustee of the Brotherhood Commission. Yes. And I, I knew that. So, well, because good he had, for you. He I, had to resign it whenever he got elected. Well, he didn't that's have to. That's right. But, well, I guess he did because he moved out of state. But yeah. yeah, it was in the article that I shared this week about how he woke up on November 3rd as president and it was just the second time a Southern Baptist had been named president of the United States. Yeah. Do you remember the other one? No. Harry Truman. You should know Harry this. Truman. I knew something about a president that you didn't know. So I have to tell you, I actually should know this, but I did know like growing up the presidents who had connections to uh, churches of Christ and those movements. Like, well, that, that makes more sense. Actually. Right. So this is probably something I should have researched later. But when I was always like really, you know, visiting all the places and stuff was a time when I wasn't, you know, I mean, I knew Jimmy Carter. But anyway, so congratulations to you that you knew this. Um, I, I feel duly chastened. So you're no match. For anyway, two me. days after. Yeah, I know. Two days after his election as the 39th president, uh, he gave a handwritten letter of resignation. He said, because of the continuing demands on my time outside of Georgia, I feel it necessary. I, I love that. That's very underselling outside of Georgia. It. Like, yeah. Boy, yeah. kind of buried the lead there, Jimmy. Continuing demands on my time outside of Georgia. I feel it necessary for me to resign from the Brotherhood Commission. Through your reports, I have stayed in close touch with our work this year and have really been blessed by my service with you and with, other mem with members from other states. Thank you for your kind assistance and friendship. Yours in Christ, Jimmy Carter. So here's an interesting piece, though, that I did not realize. Uh, for two years, he had given a week of his time to speak at state conventions to promote brotherhood work. He also spoke 
during their annual report to the SBC in 1974 in Dallas. So when the Brotherhood Commission spoke to the SBC, he was part of that. And he shared the platform with then Vice President in 1974, Gerald Ford, during a um, national prayer breakfast following the Dallas Convention that was sponsored by the Brotherhood Commission. So he introduced Gerald Ford at the Brotherhood Commission breakfast to deliver the major address. And then two years later, they were in the presidential race against each other. I did not know that. That's kind of cool. So, I didn't know that either. So we we both learned something new on this one. Yeah. So here's the other, the last last piece of, of information in this that's interesting to me. His resignation leaves only two other James Carters serving on boards of SBC agencies. James E. Carter of Phoenix, Arizona was on the board of New Orleans Seminary at the time. And James E. Carter of Natchitoches. Is that I'm saying? Am I saying it right? Nope. Not Why even don't you close. say it for me? Why don't you say it? Natchitoches. Okay, Natchitoches, Louisiana, and he served on the board of Southwestern Seminary. And this always gets me. So you had you had three James Carters serving because that's my maiden name is Carter. My brother is Jim. He's James Carter. Um, and then, of course, as you know, my name is Amy. So we were Jimmy really? and Amy Carter. Yes. So yes. and and Jimmy Carter's daughter is Amy. So uh so lot lot of connection there. Uh but anyway, very interesting and so we're certainly having some unique election aftermath conversations this week. Uh but Southern Baptists were also talking about the aftermath of election in 19 of an election in 1976 this week in SBC history. That's right. So, very cool. I can't believe you didn't know how to pronounce Natchitoches, Amy. I mean, that that's just, it's its easily just, just like it sounds, or sound it sounds just like it's spelled. Yeah. Okay. Okay, maybe we'll not. We'll learn something new every day. <laughs> maybe not. All right. That'll bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is actually what a church did this week. We have a story on Baptist Press about Cropwell Baptist Church, which is just outside of Pell City, Alabama, down there uh, just east of Birmingham on I-20 going toward Atlanta. So Cropwell, like many Baptist churches, was a polling place this week, and they took advantage of that. They put out 250 Bibles. They gave out water. They helped people. They ordered pizza and dinner for the poll workers, just did it all up and tried to do as much as they could to serve the community. And I thought that was a fantastic story, a fantastic idea, and just wanted to kind of give a hat tip to Cropwell Baptist Church over there in Pell City, Alabama. Because you know that the people who are coming to vote at your church, they live in your community. And you have an opportunity to minister to them. You have an opportunity to make an impression on them. And you have an opportunity to, you know, maybe even share the gospel with them when they're there on your campus. And there's no other reason that people may come to your campus if they're not part of your church that's from your community, except for election day. And you've got a prime opportunity to make an impression both for your church and for the gospel. And I think more churches should take advantage of that and be polling places and do as much as they can to minister to their communities on those days, you know, within the bounds of, of what's allowed. But, right, you right, know, sure. I, I mean, it's it's just a great way 
that you can serve your community. Just to be a great, be a great neighbor. Yeah. And then people in your community are coming into your buildings. They are able to sort of see who, who you are. And it might make an impression that they, uh, that, that's positive And then they come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love so it. So if your church is a polling place, and I, I highly suggest to purchase, if churches can do that to do that. But if, if you are, man, take advantage of that. It's, it's right there. It's low hanging fruit for you. So, uh, take a shot and, uh, you know, do what you can. And I'd love to hear other stories. If, if your church is a polling place and you do something cool, I'd love to hear more about that. So, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and, uh, let us know about that if your church does that. Your resource of the week, Amy, is? Well, yours is incredibly meaningful. And, uh, um, that's right. You know, and I've put in one that's just complete, completely indulgent. Um, oh. so it's an Instagram account that oh. I have come upon. Okay. Um, and it's perfect for a sort of pandemic year when it's crazy, but sometimes nostalgia can just be uh, a great comfort. And it is one that Fisher Price, the toy company, has put out. It's called Fisher Price Toy Museum. And they have put out a like full, I mean, I don't think they're at, going to add to it. It's like a fully done Instagram account with all of these gorgeous pictures of Fisher Price toys going all the way back to like, um, to like the 1930s. And so all the toys like of your childhood. And when I was growing up, we had the old toys that were at my grandmom's house. So it, it lets you look at it and then you can click on the pictures and you can learn more about them and see, you know, kind of multiple things. So it really is set up like a virtual museum. And I have thoroughly enjoyed digging into it. Um, and it's just kind of cool because it's on Instagram. So I'm putting that out there because I'm going to guess that there are people like me who every now and then you just like to have good memories. And uh, maybe you hadn't heard about it. So sharing that. All right, Amy, thanks for that. Uh, I'll check out that Instagram account and uh, see what that's like. So I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, got some sad news here right at the end of the uh, the podcast as we're recording some really sad news coming in from Southwestern. Right. Like you, like yeah. Like, I mean, I, we're on Zoom right now, and you just caught this as yes. we're talking. You just yes. saw it. So Ben Arbor, who is an adjunct professor at Southwestern, was apparently killed by cars racing, and uh, their car was flipped over, and they were killed. Yeah. So yeah, that just a tragic, tragic loss. By yeah. Southwestern, an adjunct professor, Ben Arbor, apparently right. killed overnight in a freak car accident. This is terrible. Kind of a rough way to end the podcast there, Amy. I'm sorry. Um, but news just came in. So do be in prayer for our, our good friends over at Southwestern. We appreciate their support of the podcast. And uh, we want to support them at this time as uh, they've lost uh, now another professor. So uh, we'll have a story, I'm sure, at Baptist Press soon on that uh, with more information. But uh, just getting that news in right now as we record. So yeah, and a little, also little real time news there for everybody, right? Man. And also Ben and his wife Meg uh, were members of Wedgwood Baptist Church, and um, and so the the church family is hurting as well. Yes, absolutely. So do remember the Arbors, uh, their family, as well as all of our friends at Southwestern and at Wedgwood Baptist there in Fort Worth. So. Oh, man. Um, kind of ending the podcast on a down note this week, Amy. I'm sorry about that, but news comes in sometimes while we're recording, and 
you're hearing it here first. That's going to do it this week for the podcast. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the election, uh, all that's going on, because I think we've still got a couple of Senate races as well as the presidential race that has not been officially called. Uh, but we'll have all that information for you next week, as well as probably more information on uh, this late-breaking story that we just talked about. So, Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.